Next, this month's special series, Focus on Neurology and Psychiatry. Throughout this month, ReachMD welcomes an array of experts to explore developments in neuroscience and mental health. Some 5 million Americans have Alzheimer's disease, and new potential discoveries are on the horizon, a critical development as the aging population of baby boomers figures to make this problem worse. Yet there are also obstacles ahead. You're listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Chapson, your host, and joining me today is Dr. William Thies. Dr. Thies is Chief Medical and Scientific Officer for the National Office of the Alzheimer's Association, which is the leading voluntary health organization in Alzheimer's care, support, and research. In this role, Thies oversees the world's largest private nonprofit Alzheimer's disease research grants program. Thies has also played a role in launching Alzheimer's and Dementia, the Journal of the Alzheimer's Association, and also in establishing the Research Roundtable, which is a consortium of scientists from industry, academia, and the government that works to better foster drug discovery and break down barriers to progress in this important area. We're so happy to have him joining us today from his offices in Chicago. Dr. William Thies, welcome to ReachMD Radio. Nice to be with you today, Bruce. Well, it is really interesting because I've written and others have written that Alzheimer's disease is in a critical area, and even though we've had health care reform, you're going to tell us a little bit about sort of the lay of the land of what's going on out there and some of the good stuff that's coming through the pipeline, but also there are some challenges that people need to be aware of. There certainly are challenges. Investigating Alzheimer's disease is difficult. Um, it is a brain disease, which is the most complicated organ in the body. It's a progressive disease, but in its early stages, it progresses rather slowly. So if we're trying to make judgments about whether a treatment makes the disease go slower or faster, that really takes a lot of careful work. But we have many of the tools to do it. Um, the limitations that we face are often based around uh, funding for the kind of basic research that ultimately leads us to uh, useful therapies. Can you give us some examples of, for our listeners out there, as particular physicians who, primary care, who may not realize the kind of treatments that we have? I mean, a lot of people know of Aricept, which treats the symptoms, but there are some areas that the research of pharmaceutical companies in conjunction with the National Institutes of Health, where we're entering into a new phase. Well, we really are. The next generation of drugs for Alzheimer's disease are mostly aimed at treating the underlying pathology. And if you think about it, that's really been the model that's been hugely successful in other diseases for changing the underlying causes of the disease and thereby preventing or slowing the development of the disease. We certainly have seen great successes in the cardiovascular world with treating things like hypercholesterolemia in order to prevent later heart attacks. And I think that's a good model for us for the next generation of Alzheimer's drugs. There are several proteins that accumulate in the brain of people with Alzheimer's disease. While we don't understand all the characteristics of how that creates the damage of the disease, it certainly gives us potential druggable targets, and we're working on those kinds of medications in people, so that means we're pretty far along. Now, if there are physicians out there or 
people who have loved ones who they think may have this condition, are people getting treatment? Are they getting to the right people early enough with this disease? Because I know you mentioned that there are actually 5.3 million Americans with the disease, but yet, you know, this is just an explosion of baby boomers. I mean, are we really sure that the universe out there is what people think it is? In terms of early identification, I think we are not doing an adequate job. There are many people who don't get a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease until they're well along in the disease. I think that really is a difficulty because then you're trying to make decisions typically in the absence of the person with the disease actually being able to contribute. With early diagnosis, that is diagnosis in the very beginning stages of the disease, the person with the disease is still competent and can be involved in some of the difficult decisions around things like uh, placement in a care facility, end-of-life decisions, and certainly because Alzheimer's disease is expensive and it happens over a long period of time, there are some really important legal and economic decisions that are best done if the person with the disease can, in fact, be a part of that discussion. If you wait until people are in mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease, they are not going to contribute very well to that discussion. Well, one thing in the intro that your group gave me, and they talked about this research roundtable, this consortium that you have, and a lot of people, they know Alzheimer's is a serious problem, yet it doesn't quite get the resources from various entities like the government as, say, cancer or heart disease. Is this true and something that the group wants to highlight? Well, it certainly is a critical issue. And certainly diseases that have been around longer are likely to get more resources just because of their historical position. But the fact is that we're spending at the federal level somewhere in the neighborhood of $6 billion on cancer research, $4 billion on cardiovascular research, and we're down at $400 million for Alzheimer's disease. And this is not just a trivial discussion of how you spend federal funds. Alzheimer's disease is a very expensive disease to society, mostly because as people lose cognitive function, they lose the ability to take care of themselves. And we know in almost every realm of life, the single most expensive thing that you can buy is personal service. And so when an individual becomes absolutely incapable of feeding themselves, keeping themselves clean, keeping themselves safe, they're going to need 24-hour care, and that's going to be very expensive. If you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me today is Dr. William Thies. He is the Chief Medical and Scientific Officer for the National Office of the Alzheimer's Association, and we're talking about what is going on with Alzheimer's. I mean, there are more than 5 million Americans with this, and it gets a lot of attention. There's some new therapies on the horizon, yet there are also some obstacles. And we were talking with Dr. Thies about some new information that the association recently put out that highlights some of the issues going on. And if you could pick up there, doctor, that would be great. All right. Well, with some numbers that the Alzheimer's Association just released, it indicates that we might be spending as much as a trillion dollars a year on Alzheimer's care by the middle of the century. And this is stuff like nursing homes, assisted living. Exactly. 
Exactly. And one of the things we should realize is that no matter how we organize our healthcare system, we're probably not going to be able to afford that kind of drain on our economy. So we simply must find better ways of treating and delaying the disease so that we reduce that care burden. And the fact is that the current investments at the federal level are inadequate, and ultimately the federal government is going to be stuck with the bill for care because so many people with Alzheimer's disease are over 65. They're already being paid for by Medicare and Medicaid, and so the government is stuck in a classic pay me now or pay me later. The one reason for investing now is the amount of money will be considerably smaller and you not only reduce costs in the future, but you reduce all that human suffering that Alzheimer's brings. And also, if you could tell us a little bit about what some of the obstacles are to new treatment development, medical, structural, financial, because there are some hurdles. There really are. One of the biggest technical hurdles is that we don't have an agreed-upon what's called a biomarker, that is some sort of biological measure of Alzheimer's disease. So we don't have something as consistent and easy to measure as, for instance, blood pressure, which is not only cheap to take, but can be done on a regular basis. Alzheimer's disease diagnosis and tracking of progression is done by talking to people, and we all know how completely inadequate that is as a way to gather scientific information. So one is the lack of effective enough measures of the progression of Alzheimer's disease. Two is that it takes a lot of people in a clinical trial. So if we're going to do what would be called a stage three clinical trial, where we're doing the last trial before medication is licensed for sale, it may take as many as one to 3,000 people to be enrolled in that trial before we can even start to collect data. And the fact is that currently takes well over a year for current trials, and that's a year wasted. And it's not only one year wasted for one trial, but it is also sequential. So we waste a year on the first trial, Then we waste a year on the second trial. And then meanwhile, the disease is progressing. Exactly right. The disease is progressing. The number of cases is going up. The expense to take care of those people is going up. So, in fact, we'd save a tremendous amount of time if we were just better at recruiting for clinical studies. It's one of the reasons the Alzheimer's Association is involved in that area of trying to find a better way to match people with their clinical studies. Well, for physicians listening out there or people who have loved ones with Alzheimer's disease, or even if they think they do, is there a way that they can tap into this? I mean, do they go to the NIH website? I know you have a website. I'm going to rattle off here, www.alz.org. Where do people go? Because I've talked to patients who say, oh, my goodness, you know, I need to get my loved one in a trial, and I, I Googled this and that. Is there a way to go about this? Well, certainly the best way currently is to go to www.alz.org where we list the clinical trials. There is also a federal government site, clinicaltrials.gov, that lists all of the active trials that are being done in multi-center environments. So that is, we're doing the trial across multiple sites. So there are places, in fact, where you can get information Sometimes that information isn't remarkably user-friendly, 
So one of the projects the association is working on right now is a better way to help people find the trial that just fits them, and we hope to have that up and running this summer. That's very interesting. Now, before we wrap up, I want to ask you about health care reform. The president had talked about early in his term and, and when he ran for office about more money to the NIH, but I'm, I'm not really sure that's there yet. Um, could you talk a little bit about that? Well, certainly in the Recovery Act, there was significant money for the NIH. However, it was a two-year investment, so that helps. There's no doubt about it. But the fact is that uh, what happens after that two years is going to be much more important. One of the things that we really have to keep in mind is that science doesn't develop like road repair. You can't just turn it on and off because you get this huge trained group of experts that really have to build up over time. And so the best kind of funding to stimulate research is money that grows steadily over many years. And we are going to see whether the president is really going to commit to that under current circumstances. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Dr. William Thies, who's been our guest. He's the chief medical and scientific officer of the National Office of the Alzheimer's Association. And we've been talking about developments in Alzheimer's, both the promises and research going forward, and also some of the obstacles to treating this insidious disease. I'm Bruce Japson. I've been your host, and you've been listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on the air. Please check us out at ReachMD.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Neurology and Psychiatry. For downloadable podcasts of all the programs in this series, go to ReachMD.com and choose the series Focus on Neurology and Psychiatry.